0: Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join T2 and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People.
1: Welcome to the T2 Hubcast with me, Spencer Locker.
0: And me, Dave Pendleton.
1: Dave, how are you doing, mate? All right? How are you, Spencer? It's been a while since we've been in a room together.
0: Well, I think we've been ticking along. Rather rapidly.
1: God, it's been a busy couple of months, hasn't it's it? It's been a
0: very busy couple of months, yeah. Yeah. but uh, Hence the absence.
1: Hence, hence the absence, yeah, definitely. Indeed. Our esteemed leader's not around, so uh, we've got the helm.
0: No, we cover the round bit. You and I. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lot fitter than we are.
1: Yes. <laughs> cool. So, what are we going to talk about today then, Dave? Because... Um, we've been, we've been, um, bouncing this, this thing, this concept of, of functional teams, uh, around for quite some time now and, and, uh, maybe it's time we started sort of breaking it down and, 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 and picking it to bits and putting it back together again and stroking it and making it happy.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. I think, um, I think since the last time we talked about this topic and subject, it was relatively new to us and. Mm. We just sort of launched it, and um, a few customers had really bought into the the idea and the concept and the reality of it, of course. Yeah. Um, and I think it's fair to say that since then, um, it, it's potentially been turned into one of the largest single pieces of work we do.
1: Yeah, I, I would I would agree. Hmm. Definitely agree. Uh, and it's and I think the beauty of it is that it's not limited to the business world. No. Um, as much as when I first heard about it and I first read the book, um, well, no, no, not when I read the book, but when I first heard about it, I thought business. Okay. Okay. Organizations like that. Yeah. Mm. I, I get it. Mm. After reading the book for me, it all clicked into place and I thought, yeah, I can see this in everywhere. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's really good We're, with the, with, with people, um, organizations going from public service, private sector all sorts of organizations really sort of get going, yeah, we want that. Mm. Well,
0: I'll tell you something that I think I've learned from delivering the five dysfunctions of a team to to organizations and teams within that, mm. um, is that actually, I think if you are lucky enough to have somebody at home, you know, wife, partner, whatever it might be, who you had a really good, strong, positive relationship with, mm. um, I think it perfectly defines what you have naturally that you take for granted. Yeah, I would
1: agree with you there.
0: But we don't have those things naturally at work. Um, And I guess that's the challenge, right?
1: Yes, certainly. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think a lot of places you don't have them. Some places you will have them and you recognize them, but not very many. And I think some places you have them, but you don't realize you have them
0: or you have them with some people and not others yeah well yeah 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 that's <laughs> yeah. what i mean yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so shall we talk about trust well let's talk about trust because i mean as julie andrews once said let's start at the very beginning it's a very good place to start <laughs> <laughs> and 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 to be honest with you i, I, I from my perception of the uh, the functional teams five dysfunctions call it what you will um the trust, the first one, the base layer, the bottom, mm. the building. Everything's built on that, I suppose. Mm. If you don't have trust, and I think, I think there's a difference, isn't there? There's, there's sort of three things in play there. There's trust, there's no trust, and there's mistrust. Mm. Uh, and if you don't have trust, whether it's no trust or mistrust, that that that's very shaky foundations to try and build things on. So yeah, let's talk about trust, Dave.
0: It is. And you raise a great point there, Spence, of course, because you see, I'm either in or out. You mentioned the middle ground there. Mm. And that's maybe to do with the way you're programmed or the way you see the world. Yeah. And maybe that's because of the way I'm programmed to see the world. Mm. For me, there's either trust or there isn't.
1: Yeah. But the, the, that's the thing is for me, <laughs> For me, that if, where there isn't trust, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that it's mistrust, if you know yeah. what I mean. No, no, I didn't. It's do. like with yeah, respect, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. With, with some of these young people nowadays, the kids, I think they call them the kids you either respect me or you don't respect me and you will respect me. And it's like, well, just because you don't respect somebody, it doesn't mean, say, you disrespect them.
0: No, true. Maybe, yeah.
1: In my box of pain, that yeah, is, I got anyway. You.
0: Your box of pain. <laughs> so, so, yeah, trust then. Yeah. Because trust, as you rightly say, uh, Spence, is, it's the it's the foundation of the five dysfunctions. Mm. Um, you know, and as we know, because we've talked about this uh, this process before, that each one of these elements of the five dysfunctions are interlinked one to the next. Certainly. Yeah. And when one is missing, the rest just don't fall into place. Mm. It's not as simple as that. Um, it's not sequential particularly in terms of from one to five. Mm. However, um, and I, I guess in some examples, you know, from my discovery from delivering this is that it can also be weighted. Mm. So we could need much heavier and larger proof of trust because we need a little bit less accountability. Because accountability already lives. Does that make sense? Yes. So the, all five elements don't necessarily need to be present. Mm. The same volume. Yeah. If that yeah. makes
1: sense. Yeah, yeah. Certainly yeah. It's, it depends on the context used, the organisation, the aims, and all this, that, and the other.
0: All those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But as long as they're there and present. Yeah. You know, and and I guess even situationally, you know, day by day, it might fluctuate a little bit, mm. but but it has to be there. It's right. got to be identifiable. Yeah. Uh, identifiable, and it's got to be felt mm. for sure. So in terms of um, uh, trust, I, I guess first things first from my observation, Spence, is that um, and I ask this question whenever we do this live in a room or, or, or of course virtually, um, I ask people to define what trust is. Mm. I just get them to go around the room, you know, stick your hand up and tell me what the the definition of trust is, which is always a really interesting exercise and it always pans out exactly the same way and I do it very simply to demonstrate a point mm. because no two people describe trust the same. Mm. So this, and it's not a misperception by the way, it's Mm. not a misunderstanding. It's just the way that people articulate it generally is different. So does that, or or has that the potential to lead to misidentification? Mm. Maybe, I mean, a prime one is, um, so when I ask the question, what is trust? You know, sometimes some people give a, a, a relatively lengthy answer which essentially explains reliability. Mm, Yep. Yep. So then the question is, is that trust or is it standalone reliability? Yeah. Because for somebody to be reliable and to demonstrate reliability, doesn't mean to say we have to trust them or trust has to be present. Mm. So do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's a, it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting exercise to do because it really sort of helps people understand that we really need to clearly define what trust is in this example. So there's a shared view. So everybody's starting from the same place. Yeah. Rather than starting from different, potentially different places.
1: Okay. Okay. I just I'm just thinking to myself, reliability, you will do what you say you're gonna do every single time. Yep. But I ain't gonna lend you a tenner.
0: Correct. Yeah. I won't blame you.
1: No. no ah, <laughs> you got me there. You got me there.
0: <clears throat> no, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, reliability is, is for me, it's totally separate. It's outside of trust. Right. Could it potentially be knitted in at somewhere along the line? Potentially, hmm. sure. But in essence, and let's give the clear definition from, from the Lencioni model. Hmm. Um, it's in the context of building a team. Trust is the confidence among members that their peers' intentions are good and that there is no reason to be protective or careful around the group. In essence, teammates must get comfortable being vulnerable with one another.
1: Now, that's an interesting... I mean, I know it's it's what Patrick Lencioni says himself. Yes. But this is really interesting, and I've talked to a few people about this as well. Thinking about the word vulnerability. Mm. Now, uh, I was talking to one chap uh, who had a really interesting take on it. Um, Very similar to everybody else, but he turned around and he said, surely vulnerability needs two people. What do you mean by that? And he went. You've got to be able to display your vulnerability, and somebody has to take advantage of it. That's what a vulnerability is. Mm. So there's got to, for a vulnerability to be there, it's got to have two parties: mm. somebody to display it and somebody to take advantage of it. Which I thought was really interesting, because if mm. if somebody doesn't take advantage of it, it's not a vulnerability.
0: I think it's definitely a debatable point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess, however, though, for me. Um, I think the first, the very, very first step Mm. is to admit vulnerability to yourself. Yes, certainly. So does it need two parties at first in its initial stages, or does it only need two parties when it actually becomes a reality externally? Because, you know, Mm. the first thing I need to do is admit to myself, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. I'm having a a rubbish day, Mm. you know, or I've made a mistake. Yeah. Uh, and, And as we know, as you well know, you know we we work with lots of people who can't admit that Hmm. even to themselves so i don't know yeah maybe there's a difference between internal and external vulnerability i mean i don't want to go down that road well no it's a a whole funnel but who knows right but it's a good debatable point
1: but is it a vulnerability is it a vulnerability if you don't admit it to yourself or you don't recognize it in yourself
0: well no and that's the point yeah 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 Yeah, of course yeah of course it is because you've got to be able to do that yeah to be on the right right lines Mm -hmm. and An interesting um, point of view that's come out a couple of three times in groups I've run as well is that is it harmful demonstrating vulnerability to your team? You know, does it potentially lead to um, problems with leadership in terms of competency or credibility? You know what? Which is a great question.
1: Yeah, I had this. I had a session the other week with a with a cohort. And we're talking about vulnerability, and one of the one of the chaps on the uh, on the call turned around and said, "Well, I will not demonstrate vulnerability." We were talking about managing upwards, by the way, at this at this ah, stage. Okay. And he's saying, "I will not demonstrate vulnerability to my uh, my superiors, my leaders, my managers, mm. um, because that's not what they want, mm. and that's not what leadership's all about."
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I would you know I would tend to agree with that because you know for for decades we have been taught that we come to work to produce good results, to mm. be the best that we can be. Yeah. So therefore we don't make mistakes. Mm. The problem is how did we get there in the first place? By making mistakes. Yeah, yeah. So the whole thing's a nonsense really. Yeah. And I guess, uh, you know, there's, there's. I've dealt with quite a few people who, who say, actually, do you know what? Demonstrative vulnerability is, val- is really valuable mm. uh, and, and I'm keen on getting involved, but I don't think I would like to demonstrate vulnerability, vulnerability downwards, mm. m- metaphorically. Mm. So then we go through a discussion about actually demonstrating vulnerability to your peers, mm. to your equals and potentially even upwards to your managers and leaders. And, and that seems to settle some people quite well. Mm. So in terms of, in terms of, you know, demonstrating vulnerability, what, what exactly are we talking about Spence? Well, it, it's about, you know, saying you don't know how to do everything. Saying you've made a mistake saying you're not having a great day. You know, just, I, I personally think it just means being human. Mm-hmm. It means being who you are. You know, we're we throwing this this being authentic statement around a lot these days. Um, I, I don't know, being authentic or just being human.
1: Well, it's been. I, I believe it is being authentic. I believe it is being human. But I also believe that when you're working in somewhere like a that has a blame culture, if you think that, then you're not going to take. You're not going to be comfortable demonstrating your vulnerability because people will take advantage of that. Because you've got people who um, may very well be leading you. Who will stand up and say, Right, whose name I'm going to put to this mistake? Who's who's at
0: fault? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So so people will say, Oh, that wasn't me. It was him. Are you confident to be vulnerable to actually put your hand up? Because Mm -hmm. again, this is when we start talking about development and we talk about learning and making those mistakes where you turn around and go, Excuse me, boss. Sorry about that. That was me. Because if you don't work in a blame culture, that boss is actually going to focus on the problem, not you. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. I appreciate your honesty. Again, we're talking about building trust. This person who's put their hand up and said, I made that mistake. Well, actually, I appreciate you doing that. It's starting to build trust on for you, in me, or mm. for me, in you, mm. if, if that gets right. It, yeah, 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 if you're prepared to put your hand up and say, I made a mistake there. Well, you know what? I trust this person. If they've made a mistake, they're going to admit to it. Before it's too late and we can actually focus on solution, the solution to that mistake, making it better. Sure. And then maybe in the future we can learn from this
0: so we don't do that again. Well, well, absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's another learning mm. that I've taken from running this session many times now um, is that generally people, leaders, organisations, they want to unpick a situation of negativity. So when something's fallen over, when something's gone wrong, they want to unpick it to attribute blame, hmm. rather than unpick it to learn. Hmm. And of course, you know, if somebody has centrically caused a problem themselves, hmm. what's the point in in berating them for it? Because it only makes them feel worse, and actually doesn't fix the problem. No, yeah, you're right. So unless that was done intentionally, mm-hmm. which would be an incredibly rare event. Yeah, yeah. If it was done you know, with best intentions, firmly at heart, they thought they were doing the right thing, but it just, it went wrong for the reasons that they could continue, uh, uh, could control or couldn't control. Yeah. We have to unpick things to understand what went wrong so we can avoid it going forwards. Yeah. Not to attribute blame. Um, You know, and, and I've come to completely recognize that. And now I introduced that during this session mm. about unpicking situations and the necessity for not pointing fingers. Mm. Yeah. So um it, it's a really interesting point as well um which, which is in this uh in this model and, and it's about giving people the benefit of the doubt mm. um and it's not about looking for evidence to prove guilt or otherwise by the way because sometimes that's what I'm picking events are about right yeah um it's just about giving people the benefit of the doubt mm. um because we want to think positively
1: yeah
0: we want to 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 trust that people were doing the right things, certainly, to try and create the right results. Hmm. You know, so rather than jump into a, the <clears throat> negative conclusion, yeah.
1: But that's 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 the whole point. When we when we feel safe, when we trust, when we feel vulnerable, is when people turn around, They pick it apart to find out what went wrong. But we need to identify what happened so that that particular person can learn from it. Yeah, can develop from it. Sure. So it's not a case of, you know what, I'm going to blame this person. I'm going to put up with the rigging and flog them in front of everybody as an example to others. It's a case of this particular person made a mistake. Not a problem. We fixed the mistake. Mm. Right. How can we stop that happening again in the future? This person needs a bit of development, a bit of training. Exactly. Might be this particular piece of equipment that they need to, a bit more familiarization mm-hmm. on. Or it might be that, you know what, this person's fatigued. This person has not got the, he's got something going on outside. Whatever it is, we're identifying that person so we can turn around and go right how can we help how can we stop this happening again in the future and that is going to create the trust again isn't it,
0: it yeah absolutely yeah it, yeah and, and of course another key aspect to this is is continuity mm-hmm. you know so uh, i mean i think we we've talked about this before on a on an older topic the old um, relationship ratio principle yeah uh, it's about continuity so if you react a certain way In a positive way, when something has gone wrong, fallen over, yeah, you must replicate that as frequently as humanly possible to create continuity so people understand what your reaction is going to be, so therefore are happy to demonstrate vulnerability because they understand you're going to react the right way, yeah, because their intentions are good, absolutely, sure, absolutely. Because you know, you know, Spence, you've seen it, and I've seen it. You know, two or three times it can be positive. And then just because that person's having a bad day, it might be two or three times the next time is a negative. Yeah. And then that creates that
1: uncertain that relationship.
0: Equal relationship mm. of negativity and positivity in yeah. terms of experience and that creates mistrust. Yeah. So, you know, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of stuff inside here that we could spend all day unpicking. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, but in essence for me, I suppose if I was gonna try and build a trusting relationship mm. in this model, um, I suppose, more than demonstrated vulnerability because I, I, I don't think I, I mind doing that. Mm. You know, I'm quite happy to say, say if I've got something wrong because mm. it is about correction for me rather than, you, you know, blame or feeling bad. Mm. But of course, not everybody's programmed that way. No. Um, you know, for other people, it might be less easy. So there's a whole bunch of, of recognition stuff in here as well around the interpersonal understanding. Yeah. Understanding why people are programmed the way that they are and what their likely response might be. And then a different group of people are going to respond in a different way, so again it creates that um, that that element of unknown. Hence the need for much greater levels of interpersonal understanding. So we can almost predict how somebody's going to r- respond or re- respond or reply. Mm-hmm. In that situation, where something's gone wrong, or fallen over, or they have to demonstrate vulnerability, or whatever—certainly—and
1: <clears throat> and and again, we've got all these different variables to take into account because you might have somebody who responds in a certain way when they're well rested, when they're happy, mm. when they're sort of all right. But what if they're not well rested? What if they are fatigued? What if they're hungry? Mm.
0: Hungry, yeah. <laughs>
1: Teenage children. Well, I was thinking teenage <laughs> children, but you know what? I I know people we've worked with organizations and groups where they've got positive influences mm. up till eleven o'clock. And then after eleven o'clock, they need somebody to throw a Mars bar at them. Yeah. Otherwise they're gonna go off off off
0: reservation. You yeah, know? sure thing. Absolutely. So I suppose I suppose the the only one last thing I want to talk about, I guess, because we ain't got time to unpick the whole thing. No. Is um I, I think there's an awful lot of mileage and uses for an apology, which kind of sounds a bit obvious, but there's an awful lot of people who aren't capable of apologizing when they've got it wrong. Yeah. It's okay, to say I got it wrong. And then people are like, well, so what? But Mm. with an apology attached to it, Mm. it becomes a whole different thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do, I do. But you know, sincerely meaning it rather than just doing the old customer service. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry for this has happened. (laughs)
1: Yes, yeah. There's, there's got to be some sort
0: of sincerity, and I and I also
1: believe that there's got it's got to be an actual apology and not an excuse. No, um, because I, I know there's a lot of people out there who um, who have they will they will apologise because they feel they have to apologise, but then they'll make excuses, which actually turns it round on the per that other person. So yes, I'm sorry, mm. I did this but the thing was, but well, I'm blah, sorry, blah. but it doesn't mean yeah. anything to anyone. No, no it doesn't. Cause no. people do hear what comes next. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and again, it, it sort of undervalues all the credibility. So that sorry is, have you, do you apologize to your kids? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Just thinking that because I, I ripped a strip off my lad, the, my eldest the other day before he went to school. Mm. And, uh, Ten minutes, fifteen minutes later, I, I thought, I went, that's not that didn't work. That really didn't mm. work." As soon as he walked through the door after school, I said, "I went up to him and said, sorry. And because no. I, I, I was beating myself up about it all day, you know, I mean, yeah, don't no. give me up, ripping a strip off him. I just give him a, yeah, a couple yeah. of I sharp words. Know. I didn't do anything serious, but mm. but that I just thought to myself, "What? How has that affected him? How has that affected our relationship?" Because you start thinking about your relationship with your parents and, and, sure. and how things happened there. So yeah, 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 definitely.
0: And that's the interesting difference between you and I. Yeah. Because I, I would have felt bad quite quickly. Yeah. And I was send him a text to apologize. Yeah, but I know. And then apologize later.
1: But but the thing was, I would have done. But I know they get they get a ripping for having the phone <laughs> phone on in school. And just imagine, yeah. But he could have got his phone out thinking it was an emergency, and then it's just a, and you know what I mean. Yeah, no, so no. So I'm I thinking don't. about no, the absolutely. consequences. So you see, I don't think as... about
0: consequences. <laughs> I'm just all in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, fascinating, fascinating. Yeah, that the power of an apology is is
1: yeah mm.
0: continuity you know don't react differently in different situations just try and be the same mm. you know try and demonstrate a bit of vulnerability you got it wrong mm. you know help people understand that that's the way that you are going to be
1: yeah. no
0: matter what the situation no matter what's gone wrong yeah yeah you know and whatever you do you know i mean this is this is one of the key things that many people have experienced me me as well i've experienced this in my career you know when i have demonstrated vulnerability somebody's used it against me later mm. you know for for yeah. for negative purposes yeah because they've got their own agenda against me. Yeah. You know, and and the amount of people that I speak to who have worked in that environment, and it creates all the problems that we've talked about on all sorts of different podcasts. Um, You know, so, I mean, that's the last thing we need, Hmm. people to feel insecure about having a voice. So yeah well, listen I, I think that's all I wanted to talk to you about particularly
1: yeah and I think that if if anybody's listening to this podcast, well I know there's going to be people listening to this podcast. but if you want to sort of explore the uh, the trust thing from the uh, five dysfunctions uh, we've got we've done a couple of podcasts on uh, psychological safety absolutely um, and we we've probably pardon me a couple of the surveys. And we done. Um, we got any surveys? Did we do a psychological safety survey in the survey oh, section on the hub?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, So, but um, you going to do anonymously, or can you can put your name to it? Either way.
1: Right. Okay. So mm. there you go. So if there's if there's any further work you want from here, we've got a couple more podcasts uh, on psych- psychological safety and a couple of others and the, and the surveys as well. Dave Pendleton, Spencer Locker. That is trust. Thank you very much indeed for that. My pleasure. Let's do it again sometime soon. Let's. Thank you very much until next time on the T2 hubcast. Bye bye now.
0: Ciao.